Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the 11th episode of the What If Football 2022 FIFA World Cup Daily Podcast. We've shaken off the hangovers of yesterday and we've been bequeathed the brilliance of Kylian Mbappe to send France through to the last 16, of Lionel Messi to keep Argentina in with a shout. And we've also got tales of Australian victories for the first time in 12 years and a very first Robert Lewandowski goal in the World Cup. And no nil-nil draws. What a day it has been. So let's get stuck straight in. Of course, we're not just here on the What If Football multimedia sphere with the World Cup Daily Podcast via YouTube and the Sports Social Podcast Network and everywhere else where you get your podcast. No, no, we are not. We're also over on Patreon, where for just £1 a month, you can get a month's worth of great games, podcasts from the annals of World Cup history, once a day throughout the entire World Cup. And, of course, here on YouTube, we have got What If Alternate Football Universe videos every single day, as you would expect. We've got Football Manager Challenges from World Cups and European Championships. And we've also got Combined Elevens, Predictors, and all other World Cup stuff on YouTube Shorts. So, without further ado, let's get tackled straight in 
to day seven of the 2022 FIFA World Cup and we'll start in reverse chronological order but chronologically in terms of the groups. Yes, group C. It is Argentina where we'll, we, we have to start today's show because of what went down. They beat Mexico 2-0 and really indecision from uh, Scaloni it appeared as wholesale changes were made to the team that got rinsed by Saudi Arabia, most of them in the back line. And uh, Alexis McAllister, fans of uh, Brighton will be fond to know he came in as well. Meanwhile, Mexico, they did tweak the change, they tweak the shape a little bit with uh, both Alexis Vega and Hervin Lozano starting up front as split strikers in a 3-5-2. Nicely Andres Guardado um, appearing at his fifth World Cup as well as another change as captain, but he only barely lasted the first half. Meanwhile, Argentina, they were deploying somewhat of a 4-4-1-1 with Messi in a free roll. Of course, Mexico in that 5-3-2. Um, and really the difference from Mexico from the first game, the intensity between what was a, a dour 0-0 draw with Poland and this um, was night and day. They were throwing absolutely everything at it. And really, the only player I can say can really hold their head up high from a Mexican standpoint after these two games, two goalless games, is uh, Alexis Vega. He was throwing himself about from the off. Um, he does look um, somewhat of an exciting prospect. Evan Lozano has been fairly disappointing, really, but I don't think he's been truly played in his uh, proper position off um, off the left and inside forward role, but that's by the by. Um, in terms of the first half, it was very disappointing for an Argentina team whose objective really was win um or if can't if you can't win avoid defeat because defeat would be elimination and the end of Lionel Messi's World Cup odyssey um and they, with that behind them chasing them they didn't provide much of anything in this first half Angel Di Maria was one of the only Argentinian players to be remotely vertical Rodrigo de Paul was probably the only Argentine to be matching Mexico's intensity um, and really it felt as though Argentina were destined to wilt under the simplest of pressures yes they've been earmarked as favorites by many including me because of that 36 game unbeaten run which would have been record-breaking had they navigated this group stage undefeated which it looked like they would do but Italy still hold that world record of course um, but with Saudi Arabia pulling two goals back in quick succession, Argentina wilted there and had no imagination against what was a fiery Mexican side in the first half at the Lusail Stadium, again the scene of the crime of four days prior against Saudi Arabia. Argentina offered very little and going through the entirety of the match, yes, they won 2-0, but the entirety of the match, this wasn't a performance to give you any kind of relief, any kind of positivity going forward into the Poland game. Yes, Mexico were enough defensively, I think, to have come away with one point well until that second goal. The second goal, the defensive work was a bit lax, but I think without the first goal, you don't get that that uh, shoddy defensive work for the second goal, which was, it was a good finish, don't get me wrong, but leading up to it, it was incredibly simple and a bit schoolboyish, really in my opinion. Um, and without that, really got kickstarted by one piece of Lionel Messi genius. And at the start of the, first, at the, start of the second half, you, you, you could feel it venturing in 
into a, a, an area where it was Messi will have to win this one on his own. He was dropping a lot deeper as well. So too Mexico. And what little goal threat they had in the first half, or at least, well, the first one and a half games they've played at this tournament was whittled down even further. The wing backs, well, they weren't being pinned back. It was their choice to stay completely back, obviously, under instructions. And it was a simple job on two occasions of failing to close down a player. I think Enzo Fernandez does get closed down a little bit for the second goal, but the challenge is languid. There's no desire from, I think it was Eric Gutierrez there, to to tackle Enzo Fernandez in the box before he curls a sumptuous finish. And the camera angle um, on ITV it was perfectly behind the goal of ball as well, so it looked even better. And of course, Lionel Messi's finish is brilliant. He, he does his usual trick. He comes in from sort of like a right half space, takes one touch with left foot, another touch with left foot, and absolutely slams it into the bottom corner. How many times have we seen Lionel Messi do it? How many times have we seen him dredge Argentina out of a hole? We saw it four years ago against Nigeria when he took that long ball beautifully on his thigh and thundered one into the top corner. And here he was again, right when Argentina needed him the most, getting them on the, uh, getting the ball rolling. Obviously, without that goal, you don't see the second goal for uh, Fernandez. A beautiful finish as well. Laid off by Messi as well. <laughs> Let's not forget that as well. Um, but for Argentina, it was uninspiring. The scoreline flattered them, absolutely. But I would also say, still, based off the back of that, still don't write them off. It's a 2-0 win. It's a clean sheet. Yes, Mexico weren't anything going forward by any means. Um, and they were punished because of, uh, well, because of two basic errors, really. Um, and they deserved, because of that, they deserved to lose in a way. But in in a way, Argentina really, as a team, they didn't deserve to win. It was messy, like it always is. And obviously, you can't begrudge them this win because they've got the absolute superstar of world football, maybe outside Kylian Mbappe, but we'll talk about him later on, in their midst. And he was the one who delivered them this win, as um, he tends to do. Now for, for Argentina, it's Poland next, and they are just slightly behind Poland um, by one point. So you would have thought a, a win will do for Argentina to qualify. Well, it will do. And uh, anything else, and they'll be looking over their shoulder to see what um, either Mexico or Saudi Arabia do. Mexico need a win um, and maybe could do with a big win to boost that goal difference. And you wouldn't bet on that, really. In terms of Saudi Arabia, they could spring a surprise against uh, against Mexico. But just like Argentina, don't write them off in terms of uh, their confidence from this. The inverse could be true of Saudi Arabia. Their confidence could take a massive knock and they could be hurtling towards oblivion. Um, but in terms of Saudi Arabia, I think the, the fans would take that um, going out in the group stages, after, even despite the really good start, because they inflicted the biggest shock in World Cup history on Argentina. And uh, one of the, probably the greatest moment of this World Cup so far for on, on the pitch. Uh, for Mexico, it's Saudi Arabia next. And they have, well, just like Argentina, just like any team barring Poland in this group, they have to win to have any chance of getting a last 16 place and really continuing that streak that has been intact since 1994. It's almost Undertaker WrestleMania levels of <laughs> first streaks there from uh, from Mexico. And it does look like the... The quest for El Quinto Partido will go on um, and they'll uh, very, 
very much struggle for the uh, fourth in that sequence, I would expect. Now, after this short break, we're going to take a look at Group C's other game, which includes Poland and Saudi Arabia. Catch you in a minute. Welcome back. So, we had Poland versus Saudi Arabia in the early afternoon slot. Poland, they'd change shape to um, get somebody up alongside Robert Lewandowski, and it was, of course, Arkadius Milik, and uh, he was one of three changes as Poland moved to a 4-4-2, and really a criticism you had to have of Poland in the previous game was they didn't go for it enough, they didn't get anything like enough bodies, and um, they could have really been bailed out by their superstar, just as Argentina have been tonight as well. Um, but unfortunately, he missed a penalty. The uh, the World Cup hero himself, Guillermo Ochoa, um, only beaten by two fine goals tonight as well, um, stopped Lewandowski. Meanwhile, Saudi Arabia missed Al Tal Tambaki. Really, he was incredible against Argentina. They also missed Al Faraj in that uh, in that midfield. Their captain, they were both out, and it was a frantic first half, really. And just like two nil for Argentina against Mexico, didn't tell the whole story. Two nil for Poland against Saudi Arabia did not tell the whole story either. Saudi Arabia were looking to counter well through the channels. Poland were really in play, very poor on the ball. Um, they went close from uh, a corner by uh, Bielik, but uh, it was headed quite over and um, really they were, they were in the correct shape to deal with this Saudi Arabian team because Milik would drift out onto the left and make up the numbers in terms of the uh, in terms of the midfield obviously the, the fullbacks would bomb on as you would expect Matty Cash on the right as well uh, so the the midfield shouldn't have got as swamped as it was from Saudi Arabia from Poland's point of view Saudi Arabian defence, I felt they were nowhere near as good as what they were defensively against Argentina. I don't think they could have been in in, in a million years because they just laid on the perfect performance really four days ago. They felt a little bit more open mainly because they were trying to go for go at this Poland team. They'd probably seen the, the Mexican performance that they'd put in and realised that if they could beat Argentina uh, and get got quite lucky with the Argentina win, if we're fair, um, they could beat Poland quite easily in Poland really they look spooked it's practically an away fixture for them given the uh, the amount of Saudi Arabians in the uh, in the stadium but come on you got they had to show a little bit more going into the second half and by half time Saudi Arabia were walking wounded really and they probably must have been feeling incredibly sick as uh, Piotr Zielinski Scores a good, well, it's no product of good football before the break. Um, good fortune, long punt down the uh, down the channel. Zielinski hampers onto a, onto a rebound, scampers onto a rebound. And uh, yeah, it was uh, kind of a disappointing way to end the half. Saudi Arabia, they had a soft penalty, perhaps Polish karma from the, from the Mexico game when Lewandowski was gifted a penalty, really. But unfortunately... That game's camera was stopped by Wojciech Szczesny, who for my money, really, was the game's man of the match. He produced a, well, it was an okay penalty save, but any penalty save is a good save, isn't it? And then, again, millimetres on the line as well. I did think it was going to be have to be retaken, but uh, then... Aldessari, obviously the hero of uh, the previous match, the villain, so to speak, here. And uh, really that get, that penalty changed the game. Uh, the rebound save as well from Chesney was incredible. It didn't look like he'd saved it at first, but that's uh, just about got enough on it to tip it over the bar. But I think it would have been... Uh, 
would have been uh, done for encroachment, really, because the uh, Saudi player was in the box when the penalty was taken. And then by the by the full time, you've really got to say that Poland probably deserved it. The way they dug in was very good defensively. Um, Milik would go to the uh, the left of the the midfield five permanently in the second half. And they had chances as Saudi Arabia obviously opened up. Milik hit the bar, Lewandowski hit the post with a, a scruffy finish. And then and then the man himself had his first World Cup goal simply gifted to him. A heavy touch, he stole it off the defender. And then from then on in, it was a simple finish. And 2 0. Like the later on, like the later game in uh, Group C, didn't really tell the whole story. And whilst you probably wouldn't have an argument to say that Saudi Arabia or Mexico deserve to win. You could maybe argue that they could have um, got a point on another day, but for maybe slack judgment in defensive work or good um, really like star players they were playing against, really. And in terms of uh, what's next, well, it's match day three, and this will be one of the tighter groups, and it'll be a bit of a seesaw, I think. And as The third match day, things will open up in this World Cup. I'm absolutely certain of it. Argentina are next for Poland, which is suddenly the group's most important fixture, really. Anything but a, uh, a win for Argentina will... Um, will have them teetering on the brink a um well a loss would would uh, see them out really considering Saudi Arabia and Mexico play one another Saudi Arabia on 3 Mexico on 1 a point for Saudi Arabia would take them above Argentina um but uh, it will be incredibly difficult um to see Arge- Argentina will have to put in a massive shift against what is a very good defensive Team in Poland, but you'd expect that Messi will find a way. He will. He always found finds a way. And I did mention when in the aftermath of uh, Argentina's two-one defeat to Saudi Arabia, I wouldn't be shocked if uh, if Argentina ended up topping this group. And really, it appears to be, despite them not looking the best by any means, it looks as though that's going to be the most likely scenario here. Um, potentially with Mexico uh, in second, maybe with Poland, but obviously we'll uh, we'll have to see when it comes down to it on Wednesday. It looks like it's going to be one of the more exciting groups. But to another group where one spot is already taken in the last 16, the first team to go through. And uh, we'll be discussing them, France, after this short break alongside the other Group D fixture. Stick around. <laughs> Welcome back. So France defeated Denmark 2-1. Only Dio Upamecano remained in the back four in uh, a drastic change um, from uh, Didier Deschamps. Obviously, some of that was uh, due to injuries. Luca Hernandez unfortunately ruptured his ACL, so he'll be out, you'd expect, for the rest of the season, certainly for all of the... uh, all of the World Cup. Denmark, too, they made more wholesale changes, entirely different front three, Mikkel Damsgaard, um, Cornelius, Jesper Lindstrom as well, and uh, move, meant that uh, Christian Eriksen moved to central midfield. And then Denmark, another team, um, suffering through a tournament-ending injury with uh, Thomas Delaney now out for the uh, the rest of the tournament. And really, it's almost like a blessing in disguise for Denmark because Eriksen looks a lot better in the... Uh, in the midfield, in a in a sitting role, he um, allows Damsgaard a more vertical player to go forward, and hopefully, in terms of Denmark, be a bit more incisive on on the front foot because that, that's probably something that they've been lacking in comparison to the European Championships the uh, the prior year. And I was just hoping we wouldn't get 
a drab nil-nil draw, just as we had done in the World Cup four years prior, because Denmark, you know they're going to be organised, and they were. They had to do some crucial defending early on, because there is you know, someone by the name of Kylian Mbappe who was causing Joachim Andersen and uh, Rasmus Christensen nightmares all, all afternoon. Um, it was a great display by... Uh, by Mbappe, but I thought he was I, I thought he was outshone by Usman Dembele down the right. I thought he was absolutely incredible in that first 45 minutes, first hour. I thought he was France's best player. I thought he was the man of the match by a, an absolute street, really. He was brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. France were going incredibly wide to uh, cut through the Danes. Danes still playing uh, a three-at-the-back system, as they have done throughout the tournament and probably will do up until their elimination. The French midfielder it felt as though it could be ran through, passed around. Uh, Rabiot was not covering for Mbappe as much, so there was there was plenty of spaces to be had. Obviously, Mbappe not tracking back as much as you uh, would expect, and that was a bit of a facet leading up to the corner that uh, Denmark scored their goal for. And um, Eriksen had a few nice touches in midfield. It was by no means his best game for the national team, but he did help... Uh, Assist to the uh, the Denmark goal from the corner. Cornelius, I suppose he was picked because of his performances in the Nations League against France, scored twice for them, twice against them um, this year. But this was a game for me more so for the Yusuf Poulsons, for the Kasper Dahlbergs of this world. And instead, it was uh, Martin Brathwaite coming on at halftime for Kasper Hulman's team. And uh, again, another fine choice, but he just needed more... Rapid player, in my opinion, someone more on the counter. We saw Cornelius, uh, unfortunate miss against Tunisia, um, hitting the post from centimeters out. Um, regardless, Mbappe was simmering on the left hand side for France. I felt uh, Adrian Rabio was good in the box going forward as well. Whilst defensively, I don't think he let France down defensively any by any means, but I don't think his best his best game off the ball. In terms of going forward, I felt he was dangerous. He almost got an extravagant overhead kick as well, and. Uh, that would have been fantastic. Probably one to rival Richarlison's as well. Um, Denmark, they did have answers though for France stepping it up a notch until finally, and finally, Kylian Mbappe came to life about an hour in. He uh, gave a little give and go with Theo Hernandez and his deflected shot. Only just deflected. It, it, it was inevitable, really. And uh, this is really around this time, second half, I felt as though this is a France team that looked like the World Cup winners. Like as if they will win the World Cup this year because World Cup winners, they, they might not be the best team, they might not be the best footballing team, but they, they have moments, they have the ability to play moments football. This is what France were doing in this game, moments football. They weren't, you know, absolutely dominating Denmark by any means. It was turgid in places, the first half certainly, and um, you just need one player to switch it on. Usman Dembele was trying, uh, nearly had the answers in the first half. Kylian Mbappe just rose the game to an entirely different level, of course. And um, they did allow Denmark back in, though. Christensen, Andreas Christensen, heads in from a corner. and uh, But I was actually more impressed with how France played when they went back to 1-1. Denmark always had chances, but then Mbappe, of course... Ties Enna Valencia for the golden boots, sneaks in on the back post, and as I mentioned, Joachim Anderson and Rasmus Christensen will be having nightmares about him tonight. I've got uh, no doubt about that. He's, he's incredible, and he, he probably will be favourite now to 
lift this golden boot trophy aloft um, if you if you do that um, I suppose <laughs> for France Tunisia next the, the through in the group uh, and with the uh, goal difference disparity with Australia and the fact that Australia are playing Denmark they've got probably a good chance to give minutes get minutes into some players here uh, for the for the game maybe Mbappé will want to rubber stamp that uh, that um, that golden boot Tunisia by no means will be an easy task we know they've got quite a vociferous crowd support behind them. They fail to score, so they they probably will go out with a whimper, you would expect, having played uh, Denmark and Australia without troubling too much. And um, Denmark, well, it's Australia next, and that is essentially a shootout for um, for second place. And we'll detail Australia and, and Tunisia as well from the uh, from the early kickoff in uh, in day seven's action after this. Short, short break. Welcome back. Let's round things off. Tunisia 0, Australia 1. The Aussies, they made no changes. Whilst Tunisia's Ben Slomani didn't make it with uh, Naeem Slitty in instead. And uh, both using the same shape as their uh, their previous game. Australia, I felt, uh, performed quite admirably for the first half. Uh, Tunisia were played very well on the counter. Unfortunately, they couldn't quite match that display here. Um, Australia started the brighter. Tunisia were a bit of a threat on the counter, but that waned dramatically by the halftime break, I felt. Uh, Mitchell Duke's goal, well-deserved. It looked uh, a very good avenue, direct into the flanks, and then the cross. The cross was deflected, but a stunning header as well to uh, adapt midair and just get it into the corner and somehow make it beyond the uh, beyond the goalkeeper. It was fantastic. You've got Harry Sutar again, Another great performance. I know the I know they shipped four goals in the previous game, but Suta again was brilliant in defence. Good in build up as well as he was in the uh, in the first game to find the uh, find the channels with the long balls, threatening set pieces. Of course, he's got six six goals in twelve international appearances from centre half. And um, to be fair, it was a Tunisia team that really gave very little service to Jabali up front. And when Wabi Kazri came on, again, very little as well. M. Sackney had the best chance. And it was a fairly fairly entertaining first half between two relatively organised teams who you've probably thought probably won't give it too much of a go, probably won't have that much incision going forward. And um, Tunisia had the majority of the second half, but you never really felt that Australia were in trouble. And if you're going to stretch it, you probably didn't think, I didn't think anyway, that Denmark were really that in that much trouble in the first game. They had enough you know, backing from the fans. They were rapid on the counter, but the final ball, the final shot, the final decision were lacking just as it was against Denmark, especially so here. Um, Aaron Moy again was incredible. Harry Suter, as we mentioned, was uh, great. And by the end of it, you, I was thinking it's probably the type of game that deserved Danny Murphy on commentary as it was um, but a nice and nice breezy good way to start off proceedings and uh, as we mentioned it's Tunisia versus France it's Australia versus Denmark Tunisia have got an enormous challenge in front of them they'll will need results to go their way they'll be hoping for a for a Denmark result or at least a draw from the from the other game meanwhile Australia well they, they can show up shop be defensive as they uh, as they uh, have been in the past two games take the point and go through to their second ever knockout stages of a World Cup. Only a point's needed. And given that Denmark are lacking a little bit up front in the, those advancing areas, 
we could see a bit of a shock with Australia getting to the uh, getting to the last 16. It'll be 2006 all over again, and it'll probably be, um, well, you never know who they may face in the uh, last 16. It could very well be Poland. It could be Saudi Arabia almost, which uh, would be quite the shock. Anyway, that is... Uh, all of the matches covered. We've got a little bit of time left to uh, preview the four games we've got for you today, and they come from Group E and Group F. Join us after this little break. Let's start logically, shall we, in Group E, where it's Japan versus Costa Rica to start things off, and wow, what, what a group fixture in a World Cup has been spat out, really. Spain versus Germany. Uh, wow, what a game. You can't really get much bigger than that. Uh, probably the, the closest we can get is the France-Denmark game, Argentina-Mexico, I suppose, on reputation. Maybe Portugal-Uruguay as well, but this is one hell of a game. Um, the World Cups of Germany and Costa Rica hang in the balance, really. Costa Rica could be the uh, the second team out after Qatar, of course, and Germany, they need a win. They absolutely need a win. Um if they draw, they're not out of it mathematically, but with Spain to play Japan, you're looking at very unlikely because uh, Japan would need to beat Spain, having already gone through if they beat Costa Rica. It's going to be very difficult, very difficult to see a way back for uh, for Germany. A good thing, though, is we can get a very good judge on Spain. Now, I don't think the 7-0 against Costa Rica is no measuring stick. And based off that performance, Japan will... And they're not going to go down the same route of slapping seven beyond Costa Rica because I'm pretty sure Japan's best goal tally in a single game has been two in a World Cup, maybe three in 2002. Um, so they're not going to be thrashing Costa Rica by any means, but they could stick a couple of goals away and it'd be very comfortable. And I would expect that, really. Um... My predictions, as though they mean anything, as though they are in any way worthwhile because of this World Cup, you're looking at a Spain win and a Japan win. You've got this group looking the most cut and dry out of a lot of them. And then we can just sit back and enjoy the football from Spain versus Japan in the uh, in the next in the next uh, round. But uh, to be fair, never write off the Germans. Um, they, they got knocked out in the first round for only the second time four years ago. Can anybody really see that happening? If you look forward and look back at the history books, can you see Germany two group stage exits in a row? I mean, it's happened at the Euros at the start of the century. This is a completely different um, national manshaft now, isn't it? Uh, but it, it feasibly could happen and it could all end in uh, tomorrow's fixture. In terms of Group F, well, that is very much still up for grabs. We've got Belgium versus Morocco. We have got Croatia versus Canada. We've got Kevin De Bruyne saying that Belgium have no chance to win the World Cup, which is, uh, yeah, brutally honest. Yeah, but uh, you don't come out and say it, surely, do you? Um, regardless, uh, Belgium, you've got to say they don't have any chance do they, to win the World Cup. They lack control against Canada. They were playing far too many of the old names, um, not enough of the new exciting ones, which was uh, seen when Roberto Martinez delved into his youthful uh, substitutes for the second half against Canada and retained a little bit of control, but not total control. They didn't deserve to win that game by any stretch of the imagination. They may get punished against Morocco. I thought weren't too bad against Croatia in the uh, first game, and you struggle 
with uh, Romelu Lukaku being out, probably still, um, you struggle where they're going to find lots of goals from. Of course, you've got Eden Hazard, who, who isn't match fit by any means. Um, Kevin De Bruyne obviously can change the game on his head, like so many others that we've seen today, Mbappe, Messi, etc. Um, maybe they're lucky, though, that they've been penciled into a profligate group. Kennedy, you can see, being a little bit tetchy on the ball, you know, stage fright a little bit. Croatia notoriously don't have a number nine that can score goals. They've got a very good midfield, obviously, which is where I think Canada will fall apart against them um, Sunday. Um, and Morocco in the series, not really on form. And I think he needs a couple of games to get going to uh, hit that form. And I don't think they can uh, cause Belgium too much problem. So I think Belgium have looked out a little bit in this. This is probably going to be a group of very little goals. Now watch them both be like 4-4 classics or something today. And I think... Uh, Canada will be found out by Croatia in terms of the midfield. I think they'll be very good going forward. They'll just probably lack a little bite. Um, they'll probably get their first ever World Cup goal today, but uh, that midfield is a big worry. At times, it was a one-man mission in midfield, and usually that one man was a 39-year-old. Yes, he's playing against a, a fairly old Luka Modric as well, but... Uh, just uh, an incredibly well-knit midfield, Brozovic, Modric, Kovacic. You very much struggle to think that uh, Canada, they've got to play a little bit less on the front foot, but you feel as though John Herdman's team will will only know how to play that way and that's what they'll do and um, could be... Well, I don't think it's going to be a massacre by any means, but it's not going to be as fruitful, I don't think, as what the first game appeared to be, or as fruitful as the first game should have been, really. But that is my take on the four fixtures to come, the four fixtures we've just had. And tomorrow we'll bring you all of those four. We'll be on our way to wrapping up the second round of group stage fixtures. And boy, that has come quick, hasn't it? Time flies when you're having fun in Qatar, I guess. Anyway, thank you very much for listening, for watching. And until tomorrow, City, the three lions, of course. Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.